try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot in the nail. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, 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 it is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only... Protonic reversal. Yes, you're in the correct place. Welcome, welcome, welcome. One and all, friends, enemies, frenemies, lend me your ears. Oh, man. Yeah, so here we go. This is another episode of um, Patronic Reversal. There's been a lot of them. <laughs> I don't actually remember what it's. It's 140, 140-something. I don't remember exactly what it is. 143? Episode 144 was last week. Episode 145 of Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Yeah! So, uh, you know, got a good show for you. Generally do, but I feel, uh, feel like today's, tonight's kind of special. <laughs> we have uh, none other than uh, Kristen, Kristen Spires of the incredible band Harvey Milk. Yes, Harvey Milk. Uh, really interesting band yeah, on the heavy side, but they have, I mean, there's that record, The Pleaser, which is basically just straight up classic rock, which, <laughs> which I love. And uh, he does orchestral stuff. Uh, there's kind of more intimate compositions as well. It's a whole thing. Uh, looking forward to it. Before we get too far down the rabbit hole here, I do want to give a shout out to the new fans that have come in recently. We've had a lot of uh, newer subscriptions as well as this new people uh, kind of checking out the show, if you will. We always love new people checking out the show. We appreciate that. So, um, yeah. What's going on? What is going on here? What, what, what is going on? Well, plenty's going on, folks. If you don't already like the show on social media, uh, you really ought to. And that includes uh, Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, you'll probably see a bunch of political stuff on there right now, but uh, there isn't a dedicated one for the show, specifically. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, if you like it, uh, favorite it, and consider sharing it, let people know about it, because I believe I went on a 
wasn't a rant. It was more just a notification recently. The show has been free for six years. No ads. No obnoxious entreaties for money. <laughs> I don't exactly know why I do it that way. But uh, I have, and it is it is definitely consistent. So if you if that's the thing you enjoy, all I ask is you spread the word, conspire the fire, uh, let people hear these conversations and and hear this show that uh, you know might enjoy it. That's it. That's the pitch. Maybe at some point I'll ask for more. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, very excited to talk to Creston. Uh, a true artist and uh, an interesting interesting kind of modus operandi with that. I'm, get, I'm looking forward to asking about the Patreon stuff, uh, getting into that. Yeah. Uh, so, hmm. Where to go from here? Let's see. Why don't we listen to a song by Harvey Milk? Which is uh, a band that's probably the band uh, yeah, I'd say most people know Creston for. And uh, I'll try to queue up one of his uh, solo compositions as well. And we'll, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to Creston. It's going to be a good time. Again, Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Um, yeah. Watch this short video. I won't. (laughs) Uh, So the big thing with the Crescent is the Harvey Milk was not there for a long time and then kind of came back. So, yeah, looking forward to talking about that. Anyway, uh, let's get right down to it. Uh, let's listen to, I'm trying to think what's a good, what's a good Harvey Milk jam to play. Let's listen to Death Goes to the Winner. <laughs> we'll get lively here. <laughs> Wait, I don't know.
All right, that was a little Harvey Milk for you. Death Goes to the Winner was the name of that song, which I think is a brilliant song, but I didn't think about the fact that it's something like seven minutes long. So there you go. Radio professionalism at its best. And, of course, with us right now, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only uh, Kristen Spires from Harvey Milk. Hi, Kristen. Hey, Connor. How are you doing? Uh, So glad to have you on, man. It's great to be on. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) You know, I was uh, just thinking about... you know, for whatever reason, I got politics on the brain right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking about your, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, the the Tanner '88 <laughs> style like uh, that. run that you did in um, uh, 2016 with all the videos and such. Yeah. Uh, which of I didn't course, know you knew about that. No, no, I I I thought it was genius. It was wonderful. <laughs> like a Thanks. Uh, and especially as as uh, uh, well, especially being a, a fan mm. of. Um, of Tanner 88 as well. Like it's, it's a, that, that was a brilliant show. So that's what it reminded me of, which I realized in and of itself is a deep cut to an already deep cut. But that, yeah, I love that show too. I actually watched that on HBO when it first aired. I thought it was funny even way back then. Yeah. I watched and, uh, it with my dad and he was, and he was like laughing all these jokes that I didn't quite get. And then I watched yeah. it. And I like, oh, okay, fine. But definitely, uh, my presidential run had a Tanner 88 feel to it. For sure. Well, and and that's something that I think is interesting that you've got, you know, a pretty good usage of like modern tools for for what you do, like things like the Patreon, right? You've got this yeah. this this Patreon, which, you know, it it it's kind of like people talk about these platforms and what they're supposed to do, and oftentimes they they don't always kind of hit the mark, so to yeah. speak. But it seems like you got kind of a good thing going here. We have people that are engaged with what you're doing. They get a composition, um, you know, whether it's like an acoustic thing, some something more orchestral. Uh, there's like band stuff involved. Uh, I mean, would you say that that's been like a useful tool for you to kind of connect with the fans and get your get your stuff there? Oh, it's been terrific. It's been um, successful beyond my expectations. It's a um, I've had it going since about 2017, and uh, it's just been a terrific experience. I've written lots of new music and put it on, and you're right. Um, what I have is kind of a contract with my patrons where they pay me um, $3 a month, and I give them all the new music that I make. Um, it's mostly rock band music, but there are some orchestral compositions, and uh, I also, for instance, did a album of covers Leonard Cohen covers yeah, that I put covers. Up yes 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 absolutely I want to, I definitely want to talk specifically about that as well yeah uh, but, but, but it's it's, it's kind of like a good collection of you know if you, if you like the rock stuff you'll find something there but there's some kind of like neat surprises for for folks uh, if, if, if that's all they know you from yeah it's very eclectic and uh, some of the new things are Harvey Milkish and some are not at all and uh, there's also a lot of uh, older, deep tracks that have never been released from other bands that I put up and um, some B-sides that we recorded for things long ago that never saw the light of day. Just a kind of a smorgasbord, very eclectic. Um, there's also quite a few musical selections from Stevie, Stephen Tanner, who sure, uh, yeah. joined 
he joined forces with me there for a few months and he graciously donated some of his music for the site and it's still up there and it's fantastic so it's been a it's been very prolific i think there's about eight or nine hours of music up on the site yeah that's, it's uh, pretty compre- pretty kind of like good value as, as they say right <laughs> well the longer it goes the the more valuable it gets, I think, because yeah. for that $3 a month, you get access to all those old posts as well. So it's the opposite of like a uh, collector's coin or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It <laughs> it's only going to be Yeah, and I'm real conscientious, I have to say, about trying to give my patrons their money's worth. Like if I haven't put anything up for a while, I start to get edgy and feel guilty about it. So I'm pretty good about putting up something new every month and and they're not just you know like demos or anything they're finished recordings that i do on my own right yeah and that's i guess i think that's worth mentioning because it seems like some folks that's how they utilize that tool is sort of like here's the (laughs) here's the good and the bad and the ugly all in one place and uh good luck like well (laughs) yeah I i definitely try to make every post a finished released releasable um, product. Um, sometimes I don't hit the mark. Sometimes a song isn't of a quality that I would think, okay, well, I would actually put this on a record. Right. But that, that doesn't happen very often. And at least once a year, and lately even more often, I've been going over to Kyle's studio, our RJS in Athens, and getting him to master the tunes for me so that the files I can share with my patrons sound, you know, good right alongside their store-bought CDs or what have you. Yeah, yeah, you get the, you get the higher quality. It, it doesn't uh, sit weirdly in a mix, like you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like something that doesn't fit there. And uh, so far, I've put out. Um, uh, three um, all new, all original, exclusive LPs of new material, plus the uh, Leonard Cohen song. So it, it, there's there's a lot on there to to enjoy if you join up. So and of course uh, to do that you would go to the website Patreon uh, to sign. Yeah. Or just Google my name. It's one of the first things that it, pops up. I was up. gonna say, or you could just you could just use your Google foo and. Uh, Comes up pretty yeah. good there, which is great. Yeah, it is, it is great. Uh, so when it comes time to what you're deciding to put up, has that kind of changed how you think about how you create, like how you're uh, composing stuff and all? Yes, my process is completely different than it was in Harvey Moot, where I would, you know, we, all the band members brought songs uh, to the band, but we would basically bring completed songs and teach them to each other. Right. Or pieces of songs and help each other work them up into whole songs but with uh, the process i have now i just i kind of record and write the songs simultaneously and uh so i lay down one layer at a time and i just build it as i go and um and you're just using like a digital audio recorder for that I have a Focusrite red box. Uh, I use a microphone to record my vocals and drums, and uh, I just plug into that and use Logic Pro X for the guitar and bass and uh, keyboard sounds. Um, I really love Logic Pro X. It's done everything I've ever wanted it to do as far as rock and roll goes, but the orchestral sounds are not so great. I hope to get a better program for that soon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of... It kind of seems like it's it's something where it gives you kind of entry level stuff on there, and you know, with the maybe yeah. being a selling point for most folks that they're never going to actually fool around with it or or, 
<laughs> utilize it, but it looks good on the box or you know the the ad or whatever you're, you're looking at when you're, when you're buying. Yeah, but uh, there's better programs out there for that. But as far as like just you know recording and all the guitar, the inbound guitar amps they have on that program, they're all terrific. Um, it, it does what I need it to, so I like it a lot. Well, and so you mentioned something about how you how you basically put together like uh, uh, just c- kind of composing sort of piece by piece, bit by bit. Yes. Right, specifically for this. So when you're, I mean, do you start with drums or like yes. what? Okay, all right. So I almost uh, always start with drums. Um, I'll decide on what kind of song it's going to be, you know, how fast, what the basic structure is going to be, what the beat is going to be. And I'll play the drums as if it was a song. And then I'll start composing the music to go on top of it. And uh, sometimes I'll have a specific favorite song that I want to emulate and sometimes I don't and um, sometimes I just bang around and you know edit a lot until it sounds good <laughs> but yeah I always start with the drums and then I listen to it until a harmonic progression comes to me and then I'll write a melody it's all just very you know step by step and uh, one good thing you get on the Patreon page is that you get every step. Like uh, when I record the yeah. drums, I put it up and I run on record. So every terrible idea I have that I end up <laughs> discarding, you get to have, if you're a patron, you get to hear all those things too. So that's probably a mixed bag. Well, and, and you know, it's very easy to, you know, and of course with, with this show, you know, a lot of folks that, that listen also are musicians themselves uh, and also artists. But I mean, if you're just a music fan and you aren't familiar, aren't as familiar or annoyed maybe by that side of the process, it is actually really interesting. Uh, yeah, I would uh, see. Anytime I can get like those tapes of like Hendrix just sitting around playing his songs on guitar and like working songs out, that's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's always fascinating the process that an artist goes through to. Um, create so I figure hey if I'm going to do this I'm going to charge money for it I might as well you know make the process transparent yeah (laughs) so at least you know if the people are into that it will be that value as well well and also uh, you know it came up recently on the show Uh, I can't actually remember who it was we were talking about the the, those Stooges funhouse sessions where they just you know, released all of the sessions. Like here's here's everything, and you get to hear like, okay, so this is like literally, they were sort of working yeah. the <laughs> out in real time, and okay, that's crazy because you think about it as this you know iconic rock and roll record, but of course, you know, a couple couple a couple of those songs were a little bit on the newer side, so they're still kind of. <laughs> You know, yeah, directions uh, the entire time. You know, <laughs> I, I love uh, I love things like that. I mean, which it's one of the there's a Neil Young record that they recorded it basically the whole record like the second time they ever played the songs or something. Tonight's the yeah. night, I think. Tonight's the night. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's actually and, one uh, of the ones I like a lot too. So <laughs> I'm trying to remember. What yeah, was, but. I always like that. You know, kind of loose, not sure fuck ups could happen at any moment kind of feel. You know what I mean? Um, it's always good to take early takes just because you get that kind of freshness. Well, yeah, and so do you feel like, uh, and that's something I've, I've come around to as well, like I kind of feel, it's, it's not that it, it's not as good later, but it starts to feel a little different, and, and you almost kind of want to have that sort of riding the buck and bronco sort of feel to a certain, to a certain degree. Yeah, you know? it, so something about the urgency of being worried to get your part right Mm-hmm. that adds something to the music and uh, makes it, I mean, it's good that uh, songs are recorded first and then taken on the road, you know, because yeah. 
um, you know, the recording is one thing, but what you end up playing it as years later is going to be something totally different. So it's good to have that snapshot of the what the initial inspiration was and the fresher and, you know, you can get that, the better it's going to be probably. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I've, and I've talked to, to folks, Buzz and Dale are a perfect example that they'll have songs that they played for so long and they never listen to the recordings and it's a sort of changes in their mind and kind of constantly yeah. grows and... And becomes its own thing where they listen back to the recording. It's like, oh, I, know, I was playing that. No, oh, okay. Well, I play yeah. this way now. I read somewhere that uh, <laughs> Keith Richards. Uh, I read somewhere said that uh, you don't know what a song is going to be until you've taken her on the road for a couple of years. The recording is never what the song ends up being, you know. So, uh, and that's cool. It's like you got two different things. You got right. the recording and you have the interpretation. So as far as working that way rather than working with the traditional, you know, you get into a room, you get bang out the songs, you take them on the road till yeah. you're sick of them, then you go back, yeah. you write some new ones. <laughs> what do you find are the, you know, what do you find are the challenges or I guess what are the differences between doing it more that way, which I'm going to go ahead and presume that that's probably how Harvey Milk used to work back in the day. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, all throughout. I mean, we would we in the very beginning, we worked real hard to learn all the songs. And uh, and then it was just a matter of playing the songs that we knew until we reunited and we did the same thing again. But uh, with the Patreon, I don't I'm not playing this. You know, once I record the song, it's in the past and I move on right. to the next one. And, you know, so it's a, it becomes like a real serial thing where I just kind of do it over and over and over again and um finish it and move on as opposed to like finish it and then practice it and play it and get sick of it do it to death yeah and uh it's real it's very rewarding in a way because uh i get to i'm forced to be um more prolific and uh sometimes that's a good way to work i mean uh, a lot of i mean stravinsky he would get up and write from 10 in the morning until two in the afternoon every day and he, a lot of the pages were crap he said he threw them away but he did it anyway because you know that's how the good stuff came out so if i do it on a regular basis hopefully more good stuff comes out well and there's kind of an interesting thing i saw you know nick cave saying something along those lines of just you know be- people want to <laughs> kind of think about it in terms of just the artist waiting for the divine inspiration to come down but you know in reality sometimes it's you sit down, you're looking at the blank page, so to speak, and it's it's some days it's there, and sometimes it's not. And you just do the work anyway, and and that's you know that that's the the part that people don't think of when they're romanticizing the arts that there's <laughs> there's all the stuff you don't see that yeah, like that ninety percent is crap. Just <laughs> <laughs> gonna say yeah, but a lot of it's maybe that's great, you know, just gotta yeah. put it out there. But uh, yeah, you got it. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. No. no. Please. Uh, actually, I forget what I was going to say. So you go ahead, please. Well, I was just going to, I was going to say, and I think that's kind of the interesting thing about how you do it with the Patreon is that you kind of get the good side, the interesting side of, of the new things, without necessarily the, you know, well that didn't work at all. All right, that's <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's just kill that one. Start over. That that was a wash. I think there's been one, maybe two songs on Patreon that I got deeply into. And I just said, sorry, I have no idea how to finish this and left it sort of unfinished. But uh, so far, I've been very lucky 
in that uh, I've been able to take every song to completion uh, and, you know, mix it up and send it out. So when you did mention it, and I find this utterly fascinating, the, uh, the Leonard Cohen thing, because I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan as well. And, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I know. I absolutely love Leonard Cohen. And yeah, I also love weird heavy music also. <laughs> but those tends to be two Venn diagrams that uh, don't have much overlap, we'll go ahead and say. Uh, you might be right. So, so when, when I found out that you did that, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I got to check that out immediately. That's awesome. And it was. It was, it was great. And I felt like it was done. You know, I feel like there's always, unfortunately, the kind of the idea that there could be a piss take or sort of something done with insincerity. Uh, but I felt like there was kind of a genuine love and fandom for what those songs were while you keeping it your own and keeping it yourself, obviously doing it in your own voice. Uh, what, what, I guess what the, the question that eventually is coming here is, is what, what led to you doing that? And, uh, was it, was that just an easy thing to decide or were you sort of like, all right, buy the ticket, take the ride. Let's, let's well, do this. you know, I just finished a period in which I had done like three records in a row, all new stuff. And I felt sort of creatively, um, spent, you know, I felt mm-hmm. like, Oh God, I just don't have any songs to write right now. If I, and I actually did, um, try and it was just such crap that i immediately stopped <laughs> which which and is good on you for having that quality control filter by the way <laughs> yeah i guess uh, <laughs> i wish i could buy and but, sell uh, that. <laughs> it just dawned on me one day that hey i could do covers why not i mean it, it i've just got to put you know i've just promised my patrons music and uh, i'm right. assuming that if they are paying to hear me then they also probably love Leonard Cohen like I do and uh, I can actually do these songs and it just occurred to me that hey I could do as many Leonard Cohen songs as I wanted to and uh, so I did and I left them public you know I don't try and reserve any rights I don't want any copyright beef with the Leonard Cohen estate right but um, it was just I'd loved these songs for you know 30 years now and it was just really a lot of fun to just kind of zip through them and sing them. And they're just beautiful, beautiful songs. Yeah. And that, that it comes through too that, well, one, first of all, from just a, you know, workmanlike perspective, you get to stay in practice and, you know, still keep the, uh, keep the muscles, the muscle groups moving, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, that you otherwise would use for, for your own stuff. But I mean, did you find that the the reaction to that was uh, surprising or like kind of right about where you thought it was going to be or did it really factor in at all? Well, um, I think the reaction was really good. I got lots of comments from my patrons saying, you know, how happy they were that I was had done a cover of uh, a record of Leonard Cohen songs. And I'll probably do things like that in the future, too. It's just a. Uh, uh, I'm, you know, I, I try and write, I try and write my own well, of course, music, yeah. but, yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I think the, the reaction has been very positive and I'm real happy with the results. I, I think it sounds good. Well, well, and the reason why, well, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kind of, for lack of a better term, harping on this, right. Is that, uh, that's very much endemic of the times now. So that's something that, uh, I, I kind of feel like you're a little bit before the curve on it, but like that kind of thing is perfect for how like the model that you're that you kind of working on now is in that like sort of uh like i don't want to say novelty and ephemera because that's that's 
not really the, the mood I'm going for, but something that's just kind of like, oh, wow, look at this cool thing that right. you can only check out because you would ever have access to this or, or, or whatnot. Uh, you know, that's very much of its time. And like a lot of a lot of your contemporaries wouldn't necessarily think to engage that way. And is would that ever factor in or was it just like, ah, oh, no, I'm just, you know, whatever I was doing, I do. I can't, can't think of any songs to write right now. Let's play some songs I like and uh, see how that goes. Yeah, I actually had no sort of strategy uh, of appealing to people involved. It was really just a matter of like facing writer's block and thinking, well, what could I do to give my patrons their money's worth? Right. And I thought, well, hey, wait, I have all these songs that I love and I already know how to play them. I've been playing them for years just for my own self. So why not record them and put them out, you know? And uh, I was able to do like nine tunes in a couple of weeks and I mastered them real quick. And uh, it was really just a, a case of me um, wanting to continue to provide um, value for the money that people pay me. Um, and just, you know, taking a break from being a creative artist for a while and just be an interpretive one for a little bit. Well, and it's easy to to lose track of it as well because people get really caught up into the the idea of like you know you're as good as the last thing you wrote or or whatever. But the idea of the musician uh, or band that like writes all their own material it's it's you know hasn't always been that way. Like I mean, no, no, what a pain in the fucking ass. I mean, the Beatles ruined it for everybody because all <laughs> exactly. of a sudden you had to write your own songs or you weren't taken seriously. And there's so many great songs already. I mean. Um, yeah, it's like Chuck Berry already wrote all the songs. Let's just keep doing those. <laughs> yeah, those songs are fine, right? You could just, you know, the, yeah, you know, like you could still find, you know, whether whether it's uh, uh, any genre or subgenre you could think of, you wouldn't have to necessarily write any song in that genre, and you'd be able to celebrate and like kind of embody at the same time. But yeah, like you said, it's like the Beatles did kind of change what that meant it's like you almost were like oh you're your covers band uh you know <laughs> yeah i know it's a that was actually one of the terrific things about being in the um orchestra world is that no one in orchestras no has any you know no never like, hey let's yeah. play one of my pieces here i've got a piece here let's yeah. all take play one of my tunes no you all you do is interpret other people's music and you and you find real value in that and there is real value in that and uh it was fun uh, doing Leonard Cohen songs. Well, and you've done other things along those lines. Like now, I, I remember uh, specifically uh, there was I, I wasn't there, but I heard tell of the there was the a Harvey Milk set where you did like an REM album or something along those lines, right? Is that for real? Yeah, we uh, yeah we uh, we had a show booked, and we just decided for fun that we would do um, Reckoning, and we did it straight through. And um, it was a lot of fun. My God, I love that record. So, it, I mean, it's a great record. Not necessarily. I mean, what, did you did you let people know ahead of time you were doing it, or just surprise them with? No, that? we told our friends. A uh, good friend of mine, um, Ted, who's passed away since, um, actually invited Michael Stipe to the show. No I was humiliated <laughs> to learn. Yeah, he was there, and uh, but I didn't know that when I was on stage. Oh, thank thank God. God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That was yeah. Talk about like having to like put the pressure on, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Did you ever hear back like what he thought of it or no? Um, actually, Ted asked him what he thought of it, and he said he he said it was humiliating, which I found actually to be 
the idea of him hearing it was also humiliating. So that, you know, that fits. So it's all, wow, all, all around humiliating. Experience. Yeah, everyone involved was humiliated <laughs> by the experience. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we also did uh, the Ace Frehley solo album. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fra- Fra- uh, Frehley's Comet. Uh, no, no, the solo album and Kiss. Oh, the scale, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the uh, 1978 one. So, and the reason why I thought of that, there's a uh, there's a, a, a tribute band called Fraley's Vomit. <laughs> that, uh, they they do the uh, all the all the Ace Freely Kiss songs, but they also do uh, some stuff off of uh, Fraley's Comet as well. And they uh, I can't believe it. That's never occurred to me to say Fraley's Vomit before. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. I gotta say, like when it, when I when it's I first heard perfect. it, I thought it was I, I thought it was pretty genius, and they pull it off, and they have like a legit love of the music, so it's like one of those yeah. things where it's like, oh wow, this is not something I expected to be seen right now, but we're I back can't in imagine the anyone group, so it's okay. <laughs> can't imagine anyone having a legit love for the music of Fraley's Comet. I, I mean, I think it's Good all, you God. Know, it, it's it's largely it's largely shtick as well, but uh, they they def- they definitely appreciate uh, they definitely. They commit to the bit. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. Um, Kiss is my very favorite band, and I still love Kiss. But man, have they really thrown themselves under the yeah? Bus. <laughs> I can't. That, that, it's just so hard, hard to right. still love them, <laughs> just on principle. That's a hard, but, that's man, a hard thing to say the, these days. And it's, isn't yeah. it? Isn't you know? It's kind of it's one not one of the things that like. It, it, you know the music, the classic, you know era of Kiss. I think still holds up, especially if you're, you know, if you're into into that kind of thing that they were doing. It's it's kind of hard to get much better, but it's oh, yeah, harder yeah. and harder to justify if you don't have a frame of reference because it's just this endless commerce. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I know, I like in, a good record, and you know, whatever, thirty years, but who cares? In 1991, it was like in a weird way, kind of cool to be a Kiss fan because they were this band that was so great. That yeah. was, but man, they've just pounded their their souls into the ground so hard and repeatedly over the past decade that oh God, it's just disgusting. Yeah, just just beat every nickel out of every, out all the fans. That they yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're doing it again right now, as far as I know. Coming up next week, we got a Gene Simmons of Kiss. They come no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it's I think your love of that music kind of makes sense when you stop and think about for fo- folks that are fans of Harvey Milk. You did the Pleaser, and for me, that that was like, oh, they're doing like a big rock thing. This is awesome. Like I did not like it was only like wait. This is Harvey Milk, right? This is this is the same band. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of out of left field. But I loved it because I I, I have a legit love for uh, for things that are for a good portion of hard rock, and it was like, oh no, it's it's them doing their their take on hard rock, and it's uh, this seems to come from a place of earnestness. But wow, this is freaky. it was definitely yeah. Um, we did that record after Kyle joined. I think both Stevie and I were a little bored of playing low and slow all the time so 
we made the conscious decision to try and write uh, and record a record that was like the music we grew up with. You know, as far as I was concerned, we were making a Kiss record. And as far as Stevie was concerned, we were making a ZZ Top record. And as far as Kyle was concerned, we were making a Led Zeppelin record. Right. And uh, we just did it just purely uh, out of love for that kind of music. There was definitely no tongue-in-cheek. I don't think there's ever been any sort of tongue-in-cheek in anything that Harvey Milk or I have ever done. Yeah, and I think that holds true. I definitely have a a certain kind of resting contempt for people that kind of try to like play a genre, but they do try to like be insincere about it. Like I don't, I, I guess no, I should put it this way. I don't understand why somebody would do that. Let's put it that way. And yeah, I, so I appreciated that. Definitely. You know, it was, it was y'all's take on that. It was on the, uh, on, on like, basically let's make, let's make a cool hard rock record. Yeah, that's definitely what we were trying to do. And, uh, we ended up playing a lot of those songs for years. Did you find that the was the initial reception more on the baffled side, or were people just generally stoked from the jump? Or oh yeah, they, everyone loved it from the jump. As a matter of fact, uh, after we started playing that set of music, uh, we started drawing a lot more people, which makes sense. I mean, it was a lot more accessible, yeah, less aggravating music, and uh, but you know, we didn't last very long after that. Yeah, I was gonna say it was, it was kind of near. It was kind of near the end, but I always kind of wondered. I mean, the closest thing I can think of was there's uh, there's that band from Jersey Rye Coalition that kind of did a, uh, you know, they, they they put out a couple records and toured turned around a lot, and they then they kind of went big hard rock like ACDC kind of Grand Funk Railroad, and and they which all those dudes just legitimately loved hard rock as well but i definitely noticed that there was sort of a transition period where people kind of you know cock their head a little bit like the like the rca dog and be like well this isn't yeah this isn't quite what i thought this was gonna be (laughs) i think it was just a little bit ahead of the you know sort of retro curve or whatever for its time but right I think that it happened like maybe five years later. It, like, it, it oh. would have, yeah, connected connected a little different. And that's and again, we've we've kind of uh, jumped around in a very, uh, you know, the timeline is very <laughs> jumbled here. But I mean, for and me, long, yeah. it, which is fine, it's jumbled in life t- as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the first one I heard from you was uh, that my love is higher than your assessment of what my love could be. Which that first song you have is just so like epic but kind of just painfully slow and like when it develops you're like oh this is you know like this is awesome this is this is really cool like it took a while to get here this was like a composition but at first i remember even being like a fan of bands that you know take their time i was like god this is like crazy <laughs> what's, slow what's going what's on happening? here <laughs> yeah and i love flipper you know what i mean like i was <laughs> yeah like but but then i would listen to it more and be like god this is like warp genius i love it like uh so when I don't think it's disingenuous to say that you know Melvin's were some factor towards uh, you guys' approach, right? Oh, um, no, absolutely. Um, the first time I heard the Melvins was when Stevie played them for me. I'd never heard them before. I moved to Georgia in 1991, and it completely changed the way I thought about music and how you could write 
for a rock band and as far as we were concerned we just wanted to be the melvins uh when we first started out um and i don't you know i think if quickly we quickly developed a style of our own. We played a lot more in major keys than the Melvins. Did. I was I was just gonna actually say that, and that's kind of a, like a, a weird music theory thing for a lot of people, but it's something I definitely noticed immediately of, of it being like, yeah, it wasn't a lot of minor blues scale <laughs> kind, of, kind of stuff yeah. happening there. Yeah, the longer and the slower pieces tend to all be in a in major keys, which is a weird thing for rock. I think mostly that came from my background in orchestral music. But uh, it definitely is the biggest thing, I think, that sets us apart from them as far as, like, our sound goes. But, uh, yeah, nobody can touch the Melvins. I mean, good God, look at them now. Um, yeah. They're just, the, they're the kings. Well, and then they never, they've never stopped and they never sucked. And <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they're still um, getting doing trying new things and mm-hmm. new ways, and everything is interesting. And they're one of those bands that'll just they 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 throw so much at you that uh, you know, my God, you take a lifetime to appreciate the entire catalog. Right, right. So, so I mean, would it be fair to say that like that sort of like that ethos of kind of challenging the listener and uh, you know taking the big swings? was also like a like a bit of an influence also oh yes to an annoying degree i mean (laughs) we would write you know we would intentionally i think looking back on it write songs to try your patience you know what i mean (laughs) songs with with like seconds literally seconds worth of silence over and over and over again and ugly ugly chords you know what i mean like um and I'm not saying anything bad about that. I still enjoy playing oh, no, music no. like that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it was definitely all about um, pissing people off a lot of the time. <laughs> sort of. That I heard a great one of my favorite stories uh, about the Melvins is something I heard one of them say in an interview. And they were playing this show, and <laughs> and one of the fellas on stage heard uh, someone in the audience talking to her boyfriend mm-hmm. she was poking them with her elbow and saying make them stop <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant yeah that's what we love we, we always wanted that I was, I was talking to uh who the hell was i talking about this oh it was Ke- it was kevin romanis <laughs> last week uh who of course played in the melvins uh from from the cows for a lot for a minute well, more yeah. than a minute, like four, <laughs> like four albums or something along those lines. But, <laughs> uh, but I was re, I was relating a tale that I'm pretty sure I've told multiple times on this show. But just it, it being kind of like a Melvin's, you know, best of kind of set, and everyone's just getting real into it, and like there's all these bros with backwards baseball hats, and they're letting loose in the pit, and they're just pitting it up and being bros with baseball hats, and generally bumming out people such as myself and a, a few ladies that just are there <laughs> to enjoy the show. Uh, and then right smack dab, uh, right after this like block rocking uh, set of like six songs or something, we're just grew in intensity, grew in intensity. They played anti-vermin seed, which <laughs> I think it has like, I think it's two minutes before the bass even comes in. Like vocals yeah. come in around like minute four. Like and just I was gonna say that he proceeded to play an E chord for five minutes yeah, straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this song that just it's like a twelve minute song and it's just so. And to see, 
to watch the expression on these dudes' faces of just like have them be like, oh, this isn't, yeah. oh, oh, oh. oh. Was, just, <laughs> was so great and so wonderful and it, to me it was like that was like the ultimate like punk rock move yes and uh that's what changed my thinking when i heard them it's like you realize after listening to a record like lysol like wait a minute this has got structure maybe yeah. the structure is really really long and elongated and it takes forever to get from a to b but when you get back to a you know what i mean it's like it's it's this not just noise or like improv. It's like there's there's yeah there there's it's a, plan. a full scale. It's a big scale <laughs> composition. Yeah. So <laughs> the I, idea. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say that the idea that you could write big scale compositions for a three piece rock band was pretty fucking cool. Well, and that's sort of what my follow up there was gonna be is you know with you having sort of an eye t- towards composition. Like when when did that first start? Um, I mean, it's it certainly. And again, that that same way, you know, when I first heard, heard Harvey Milk, I liked it. I wouldn't say I necessarily understood it immediately, but then, like, you know, I, I kind of got up like, oh yeah, it's, this is just same deal. It like takes a while to develop. You know, things happen. They don't necessarily happen when you would expect them to happen, but it's a composition. Yeah. Like it's sort of like in the in the like how composers would do, right? <laughs> Composing. Uh, and is that something that you kind of walked into the band? with an idea towards or was that something to sort of naturally develop? Like how did, how did that kind of come to be something that you, that you use as a tool within Harvey Milk? Well, um, when we first started out, it was, um, just kind of coming up with heavy riffs. But then as we played together more and more and I realized what Paul and Stevie could do, I started thinking, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, write something longer with more parts and more complicated and, you know, more musical really than just heavy sounding riffs and uh that's really how it began is that you know these guys could basically play whatever i asked them to and remember 10 11 minute pieces of music and um yeah i mean were you guys using charts or like what was it just just no we would just learn you know just learn and practice well no reason i bring I, i interrupt to bring that up is you know, I'm thinking about if the song's 12 minutes long and somebody fucks up in like minute nine, it's a bit of a drag that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> but, uh, those guys are pros, man. And, and we played together a lot. We practiced intensely in the beginning. So we had good ensemble and, um, yeah, if it would have been for who I was playing with, all that music probably would have never happened. Yeah. And, and so when you stop and, uh, and think about, yeah, I suppose you could say that there's, uh, you know, at least two epochs for, for Harvey Milk. It's kind of like you, you went till, what was it, 90, 98 or so, right? Is it? Yeah, 98, I think. And then came back, uh, like 2006, maybe? Is that sound that right? sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Like, between... Between that time, was it something that kind of lived on in your head at all, or did you kind of consider it a done deal? Yeah, definitely it was considered a done deal. Um, We had all just kind of gone on to do other things. Um, Stevie just called me out of the blue and said he knew a guy who had a record label who would like to put out a new Harvey Milk record, so we decided we were going to do it. We all brought material to the record and um just made an all new record with no plans to go on tour or anything we just decided to make a record 
That was at the Mega Blade uh, one, uh, special special wishes, I think. Special wishes, yeah. yeah. Which is still the best Harvey Milk record, in my opinion. Really? Okay. So what's what's uh, expound upon that? Why why would you say that's the that's the best of the bunch? Of oh, I just think that it the tunes are good. Um, there's lots of hooks. <laughs> that's a good reason. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, the, it's got the Harvey Milk feel and style and everything that you would want from Harvey Milk, but it's more concise and more melodic and more memorable songs, in my opinion. Okay. And Harvey Milk is always very song-oriented. Well, and, and, that, uh, and that's another thing that's very, uh, I feel like has good correlate with the Melvins as well, is that, yeah, there's definitely songs there, rather than just being like, hey, here's a mood, or here's a right, sound, yeah. or... Which and, all respect to folks that do that, you know. I, I was talking to, I was talking to Mike Watt a couple episodes ago, and we were we actually talked a little bit about drone, which is not a conversation expected to get into, but I thought it was really interesting to hear his <laughs> thoughts on it. And you know, it's there's a time, there's a place, and I think that's kind of interesting to see where drone is kind of developed into this ex- live experience that you know people are going to the drone show and to experience the drone show together, and I think there's some power. Do that, uh, but I like songs. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And uh, I, <laughs> myself, <laughs> no, I guess nothing I against it. drone. It's just that's I like songs with. If it came down to a choice, I didn't actually realize that the word drone had become like a genre. Um, I can assume from the meaning of the word that it's like long, you know, sustained notes and like rhythms. Which uh, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like cool for like a ritual or a, <laughs> you know a rain dance. <laughs> right. Well, and you, you see some of, you see some of these shows, and you're not far off the mark, my friend. Let me tell yeah. you, it's, 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 it's kind of as far as like putting on a record. I don't know if I'd want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, okay, but but uh, as much as you know, some of the Harvey Milk stuff had such a you know kind of. Um, epic length and, and sort of expansive feel for the composition and never felt like it was coming from, from that mindset. It was always very much like, no, these are, these are songs. They may be kind of weird, jacked up or like just, you know, kind of, yeah, no, it was, in them, but they're all songs. You couldn't describe our music as being droney in any way. I <laughs> definitely not drone. Definitely not drone. No. <laughs> so talk to me about uh, fr- from that record over to uh, Life, the Best Game in Town, the one you did. Um, I think that was the first one you did in Hydrahead, yeah? Uh, yeah, boy, two different stories. Um, after we had done Special Wishes with Paul, we recorded that in New York and finished it up in Athens with Kyle um, at the mixing board. Then... Um, we decided to do a follow-up record, and not only that, but Joe Joe Preston um, course, joined the us. Mighty Melvins and uh, yes. Thrones, and Thrones. And the Whip, and uh, I think he's been in High on Fire, and uh, you know he's 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 got his punch yes. card. He's got a lot of punches on the. On the yes, <laughs> and and the sweetest, most generous, nicest Good man dude. you'd ever want to meet. Yeah. But uh, that making that record was a nightmare um, because we wow, decided, really? yeah. We booked the studio time. We decided that we were going to make a record called Life, the Best Game in Town. Which is a great title. I still, After all these years, still, <laughs> yeah, every time was, I see it, I'm like, God damn, that's a good fucking record title. Yeah, that was Stevie's. And, uh, you know, so we, we, tr- got, we basically started recording before we had anything to record. And uh, in my opinion... Oh, it's a good, good, 
wizard. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't turn show. out. <laughs> no, it, it didn't turn out good. Um, it's there's too much filler on it, and the songs sound like the Frankenstein bolted together things that they are. I think there's like three or four good tunes on there and we ended up playing those but um everything else was just so rushed and so forced that it's definitely not my favorite harvey milk record so you would you'd say that like as far as the well it's not a flash composition but composing in a way that sort of like here <laughs> clock stick and go uh probably wasn't the best way to <laughs> to do that yeah well it's like you know when you're in a studio and you're making a record it's like you got to do it and get it done and be done, you know, in that amount of time. And it costs money and there's pressure to get it done. And if, and you know, if you, if you're not, it was just a matter of feeling like something, it was a task we had to perform and we did our best and it's many people's favorite record. And I think it's probably our most popular record. I just don't think, you know, I, I just don't think it's up to snuff. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, cause that one's, that one is relatively popular and, and yeah. it, it's, uh, it, you know, it's weird what people latch onto sometimes, I guess, you know, but did you find that, uh, cause it kind of seemed like to me when Joe joined up, it wasn't necessarily so much that it was kind of second pose, uh, composed secondary parts so much as you were just kind of beefing up the sound a little bit, kind of doubling riffs and, uh, you know, almost kind of in that, that ACDC uh, kind of way without sounding like AZDC necessarily. Yeah, it was definitely there. Joe reinforced what I was playing and freed me up a lot, you know, um, to concentrate more on the singing. And uh, we did end up using a, a short composition of Joe's, um, the the soft part um, to Death Goes to the Winter uh, was something that Joe wrote. Oh, cool. And uh, I just kind of created a harmonic accompaniment to it and put words to it. So he definitely brought material to the band, but his role was much more of just, you know, we wanted him in the band. He was a friend. He was a good guy. We knew he could play. Uh, we knew he could sing. And uh, we couldn't think of him, you know, it was just, we just kind of wanted him there because we'd like him. Which is, there's worse reasons to have someone in a band. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So understandable. And then, uh, you, you were doing, um, you did that, uh, you did like a, a run of shows, like a tour with torch. Yes. Too. Uh, that was a little low for like a couple years later, I think if I remember right. Um, it, it's all kind of blurry in my memory between 2005 and 2012. We were active. We made those three records and, um, we went on tour a few times. Um, all across America with Torch. We went to um, Europe with Joe one time and went to Europe again without him at the end. And uh, there was just a whole lot of um, playing. That was our most active and certainly our most um, successful uh, period as far as like the number of people we played for and the amount of shows that we were able to get. Sure. And did you find that like the, the Torch folks, the Torch fans were kind of receptive to what you were laying down and, and open-minded for the most part. Yeah. We never got anything but terrific reception, um, during that whole period, which was very, very nice and a big change from 
Harvey Milk Mach 1. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. We're playing the same music. Instead of people yelling, you suck during the silences, the people would actually just be quiet. Instead of Michael Stipe being bummed out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, and and so then uh, you had... You know, some some you were going around against, and you went to Europe with with Joe and without. Like everything cool with when Joe stopped playing with you guys. Oh yeah, there was no falling out or anything. We just yeah, we just uh, he had other things he wanted to do, and as far as we knew, that was going to be the end of it. Right. And um, we ended up making one more record, but it's a small turn uh, of human kindness, right? You're talking about correct, yeah. Which I believe I played something off of earlier. Again, I just decided to go with, oh, yeah, that song's good. And being like, oh, Christ, that song's long. Oh, my God, it's eight minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and well, it wasn't like good. I didn't. And I actually thought about that earlier. I was like, oh, make sure you don't pick a really long one. Oh, yeah. I mean, there you go. I yeah. Know, so whatever. That's a cool story. It's hard, to, it's hard to find a short Harvey Milk song. <laughs> um, that's one good thing about the music on my Patreon page is that they're almost all three, four minute songs. Well, so, so, all right. So I want, I do want to talk about some alternative human kindness, but talk to me about when you're composing now, do you think about things like length? Is that something that factors in when you think about what you're making for the folks that are, you know, the engaged audience? It depends on what, you know, I'm working on. If I'm working on a rock song, I definitely don't want it to be longer than five minutes. If your rock song is longer than five minutes, you better have a damn good reason. <laughs> and but, but even if it's like a orchestra or something like that, or like a more of a Harvey Milk type song as opposed to a rock song, then right. then I won't put any limits on it. It'll just be as long as it ends up being. Well, and, you know, that's, a, that's certainly, a, I think, a very zen way of looking at it for sure you know song's gonna be as long as song's gonna be yeah uh, but it, it always always depends on what i'm trying to do so talk to me about specifically uh small turn uh which you know, yeah that was that, that record had a very specific birth um it grew out of my hatred for Life, the best game in town. Um, <laughs> AKA your most and, popular record. <laughs> yeah. And we were, uh, you know, we we were in the van and Kyle had a Blackberry and he was reading all these glowing reviews of our record, top 10 record of the year, blah, blah, blah. And he finally came across one that was like, uh, I don't know about this record. It seems a little sucky. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fucking thank God. Number one, and number two, I was like, okay, that's it. This can't be our last record. Right. So um, I decided to actually compose a, a record, and that's actually the only um, record, only Harvey Milk record that's ever been through composed as one piece of music is a small turn. Well, definitely, I mean, everything kind of uh, not bleeds into each other necessarily, but there's definitely a feel that it's meant to sit all right next to each other and it's it's very naturally uh, flowing i suppose is the right it's word. also a it's also a narrative it's a play uh, that could actually be performed if you chose to um, perform it as a little mini rock opera it's a the dia- the words are dialogue and uh, the the entire record is a story it's actually the if you look in the liner notes of our very first record the tiny little microscopic liner yeah, notes. Yeah, I'll bust loose my magnifying glass to go check it out. Yeah. There's a, the first 
paragraph is a very small short story that is meant to go along with the instrumental on the first song or the first oh, CD. Yeah, okay. And um, that that story is what I based a small turn of human kindness on. I took the story, expanded it, and set it to music, basically. Okay, now hold on. Are you saying that Harvey Milk's A Small Turn of Human Kindness is equivalent to Kiss's music from The Elder? Exactly. It's a concept <laughs> album that meant to tell a story. Right. It could have total actors on stage singing the parts. It was all written in dialogue form. And uh, yeah, it is a rock opera. Well, interesting. So has there ever been... Has it ever has it ever been performed in that manner? Has there ever been any like uh, no. thoughts or, uh, <laughs> or? We did perform the whole record in its entirety on the tour we did right after it. Right, but it was so incredibly annoying to perform that we soon stopped that. I can't imagine what it would have been like to actually listen to it, <laughs> but. <laughs> to play it, it just got to be so, oh my God, here we go again with this 45-minute piece of slowness. Yeah. And, you know, it sometimes it can be too much of a good thing. <laughs> so, so, so maybe not coming to Broadway anytime soon is what you're trying to say? You know, not unless Broadway changes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so you, we, we talked specifically now about how that was more composed. We've talked about you doing composition. Again, for folks that are not subscribed to the Patreon, that aren't your, your Patreon uh, patrons, I think they're called, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you actually do compose. Like, there's actual, like, composed... I mean, do you call them symphonic? I mean, there are they... <laughs> I call oh, them orchestral, orchestral, actually. Orchestral, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and uh, I actually, um, that's how I kind of started out, is I basically concentrated on that first. And I still do. Uh, I put up a, a, a chamber piece uh, just a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, on the site, there's um, the Super Pretentious Symphony Number no. 1. It's a symphony in four movements. There's the Woodwind Quintet. It's a suite in three movements. There's Brass and Percussion Suite in two movements. There's a composition for String Quartet. There's some Star Trek music that I wrote. Um, there's all kinds of music written for orchestra. Of course, it's it's just me playing the orchestra instruments on the keyboard, but it was composed to be played by an orchestra by an actual orchestra and so you have uh you, know, you talked uh, at the at the very top about you have like this sort of like the the soft instruments the uh, like the soft synth versions yeah and, and you know, that way all the sounds i use are just the pure orchestra sounds i don't use any weird sound effects or anything just you know orchestra instruments and have you had i mean you talked also about how you know orchestral ensembles <laughs> you don't you don't have people jumping up being like hey guys like you know i wrote this new song let's play this <laughs> i guess i would be the one exception right. sitting back there <laughs> but i say hey hey mr conductor let's do this one <laughs> and and do, and do you and do you find like are people generally down for that like is that kind of considered like <laughs> weird or different like is that something that you mean writing orchestral music? I know, play someone, you know, having other folks like play it. Like they're, they're like, oh, this isn't, you know, Bartok or. <laughs> oh, it's or very, <laughs> yeah, it's very rare that an orchestra will play anything new. And uh, if they do, it's, you know, usually been um, commissioned and it usually sucks. 
<laughs> oh, don't mince words. Tell us how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how's okay? So with that in mind, and with it being, I mean, I guess we'll go and say kind of a more conservative uh, delivery system for new music. Do you find yourself feeling limited by just what you can do with the, you know, like the keyboard and and the and the empty page, so to speak? Actually, no. I find it much more freeing, to be honest. Uh, just the idea that you know I'm starting from scratch every time, and I'm just I'm responsible for everything. It means I can move at my own pace, and you know, it, it, I I'm, I play I can play all the parts the way I want them as opposed to trying to get someone else to do it and um yeah no it's not limiting at all as a matter of fact it's freeing because um I'm totally in charge I guess you would say right so you don't have to worry about anybody being like I don't get it why are you doing that <laughs> right and I don't have to worry about I also don't have to worry about making a part teachable you know when you mm. write a song you, make, you have to be able to make something that you can teach somebody but I don't have to do that I can just play anything it doesn't have to be something I could actually teach someone how to play as long as I can play it I can do it so that's that's freeing too so do you ever uh, find yourself kind of more at loose ends now about okay so what kind of song is this going to be? I don't know. Like, do you, do you find that like you need a prompt ever or is, is the well pretty deep these days? Well, I, I, uh, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Every once in a while I'll do something ambitious, like something that would be like a Harvey Milk song or an orchestral piece. But when I'm writing rock songs, I'm, I'm really just trying to write original classic rock you know i'm competing with kiss and the beatles and the stones to write good radio friendly rock songs that's pretty much what i'm the task i've set for myself <laughs> excuse me so uh yeah uh there's never um any short of shortage of inspiration because you know the vocabulary and the genre is so kind of set that uh i don't know I, I guess I'm losing my train of thought or not saying what I mean very well, but uh, I'm, I don't sit around waiting for inspiration. I just kind of get started and let it come out. Hopefully right. it's something good. If it's not, I just finish it and go on to the next thing and hopefully it'll <laughs> as, be something as, as good. we mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not waiting around for uh, inspiration. You just get right to the perspiration part of it. Yeah. And uh, hopefully if you're good at your craft, you can take, crap and you know at least make it not so crappy either either flush it either one (laughs) yeah and every once in a while you get the golden turd you have to be thankful for that uh talk to me about how you ended up getting uh hooked up with thor harris he uh was uh someone stevie knew and was interested in playing with um from I believe it was the Swans. Yes, yeah. fantastic uh, with. guy and player. Just real interesting cat. Yeah, he is a real sweet guy, and um, we invited him to play. Uh, he came to Georgia for uh, a couple of days and jammed with us. And uh, I think actually I recorded those practices and put them up on my Patreon page. You can still listen to them if you scroll down deep enough. But um, yeah, it just turned out not to be a good fit musically. Um, 
his, his style of playing um, wasn't going to fit what we were doing and his tastes weren't really necessarily what we were doing either. So, you know, it was amicable and everything, but we just decided to do other things. Yeah. I mean, so, so was that just like a, Oh, let's give this a try or, I mean, was there, I guess, was there ever yeah. a, like, Oh, what? let's, you know, let's do this instead of playing with Kyle. Or was it just like, let's try this thing out. Well, it was basically uh Stevie wanting to, have a band and um wanting to get somebody good for the drums he knew that thor was really good right but uh yeah it just didn't didn't work out we weren't really ready for it at the time and uh it was just not a, a musical match well and that's the um i think uh jim has that uh i think there's there, there's some of that posted on on that band camp uh, that Jim put it up on, um, like it, it's like Roman numerals. <laughs> yeah, 2017. It was named after that year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, ah, that makes sense now. And, and I mean, it was that just sort of meant to like as a, hey, here was a thing that we we did, and there it is. If you're interested in that thing, it's it's there. Like rather than it being like a like a statement. <laughs> or anything along those lines. Well, when uh, Jim approached me about putting out a record, I was excited, and uh, I sure. wanted what I wanted to do was kind of like a anthology type um, record that summed up what my Patreon page was kind of all about. Oh, like a little bit of everything. So, sure, okay, I get you. Yeah. yeah. So I chose some more art rock things and some more straight ahead rock things and two orchestral things to put on the record. So it's meant to be kind of like a sampler. That's why I named it after the year because that's the year that all of those things came out on Patreon. Sure, okay, that makes sense. So, so how do you feel about you know Patreon? Uh, obviously, it sounds like you know it's it's working fantastic for you. You got your really cool kind of clubhouse that <laughs> all this uh -huh. cool stuff happens. But it's you know it's a bit of a wall garden. You want to you know you want to not completely isolate yourself out from the rest of the uncaring and unfeeling world necessarily so what's your mindset with uh, how you want to have that presented and you know how deep you want to have that go for uh folks that aren't in the know so to speak yeah well that's the problem is that basically the only people who are patrons of mine now are people who have actively sought me out and that's my fault because i am neither good at nor very interested in you know engaging and promoting and doing things like that once i got the site up and working i just turned my attention towards the music and that's all i ever really think about and all i've done to advertise the site has basically been put up songs on facebook on the, under the harvey Mo page and my own page and that's as far as i know aside from word of mouth that's the only way anyone would have ever heard that i was even doing this right. so um what i'd like to do uh, what i need to do um is to just sort of have uh make an, a compendium a, 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a learn or at least find someone who knows how to and is willing to or learn my own self you know what instagram's about and what all the other social media platforms do and my god i just i There's feel like throwing it. up 
just I'm starting to feel <laughs> nauseous just saying these things, but you know that's what I need to do. Um, and I need I want to grow the page, um, because I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there who, you know, probably would be interested and in who just haven't heard of it because I haven't promoted it. So um, I don't know. Um, I'm um, enlisting help uh, in that area right now, but honestly, just trying to keep up with putting out new music constantly takes up all my time so are you are you balancing that with like you know day job activities and stuff too or is it you know what's what's yes okay so what's that work-life balance then (laughs) (laughs) well i do substitute teaching and tutoring um to make ends meet and uh that's what i do you know most weekdays during the day and um the music i do basically in every other spare minute it depends on if i'm working on something if i'm working on something then i'm working on it constantly if i'm not then you know i'm not working at all but um i end up working a lot just because you know i I don't want to disappoint these people it's kind of amazing to me when you think about it that these people um have put me on their credit card bill you know right next to netflix your recurring charge yeah yeah i mean they're (laughs) these I've got very generous patrons who who give me like $20 a month. You know what I mean? That's a lot of money to give to one musical artist. I can understand a subscription to Spotify or something where you can listen to a whole bunch of things. But to just give that much money to one person, that's just very humbling and such a great honor that I don't want to disappoint those people you know i want to make sure that they're no one's going to get their 20 dollars a month worth i just can't do that <laughs> well <laughs> but, but that, that's in the three dollars a month the, uh, i think i could have three dollars a month i can give you your money's worth for that <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of in the eye of the beholder too though i mean it, the valuation of art is such an arbitrary and subjective concept yes and uh people give as much as they can afford some people only give a dollar um and you know because they want to help me out, but they can't afford three dollars a month. So it's uh, it's just really amazing to me that anyone would even do it, uh, much <laughs> less as as many people as have, and how loyal they've been. They've been the people that have signed up with me. I say I've retained ninety five percent of everyone who's ever signed up. That's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, I think so too. They've been very loyal. I'm very thankful. I tell them that all the time. Well, and. You know, it is interesting because, again, kind of coming back to where, where we came in, right, is, is uh, you talk about all these tools and, like, the ways that they can be used by artists. I feel like often a lot of these tools, the companies kind of come at you like, use this tool this way. You should make this kind of art in this manner, and this is the, the way that you should do it rather than providing an actual tool for creativity for it to be kind of utilized in the way that the artist wants to use it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's easy to kind of put on a drum beat and like hit the repeat button 25 times and, you know, just sort of write song and they end up sounding like, you know, I don't know. Um, the process, the technology, technological advances, I think has dumbed down the process to the point where people can call things music that aren't really music anymore. And um, when I, I, I like the tool because um, it'll record what I play, you know? Right. And, uh, but that the, 
the act of being a recording artist hasn't changed what I write. You know what I mean? I never just like throw on a drum beat and try and write something to it. I compose in my mind and then I, I play. You have an I idea of where to. it's going to be going. You have an idea of, you know, <laughs> where yeah, you're driving to, You've, even if you don't have like the full map with all of the rest stops, you know, the, where the major highways are. Yeah. And honestly, I have a little policy with myself that, I don't play a note unless I know exactly which notes I'm going to play. So, and, uh, you know, I have the freedom to do that because I can take my time. Well, you not too much time, but, you know, I can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, Within reason. I it. Yeah. And I can make all the choices and yeah. So do you ever feel like uh, with the Patreon page that you're, you know, you're in that position that you were when you were doing life death game in town and you got like that kind of death clock going and, and, and the mindset like, all right, go, go be creative now. Well, no, thankfully I don't have that feeling, although they are kind of similar situations, but this one's different in that, you know, I, I'm in, I, I, it's just totally up to me what I put out. I wouldn't put out anything that I didn't like, you know, I, I wouldn't right. put out something that I didn't think had, something good or something valuable or it was just terrible um so you know i don't the quality it's, control it's, department of course <laughs> it's definitely got to be in, engaged in the internal uh in the internal dialogue yes and then the way my process has changed i can um you know just sort of i've i've gotten a process going now where i can dependably uh come up with songs you know uh I, I don't know how to explain it but um it's become like a part of my life now where i just write music all the time and there's been long periods of time in between harvey milk activity where i didn't even pick up a guitar and uh but now it's like a part of my life again i'm very thankful for that it's been a great uh, gift to me this late in life i, I never would have thought that i was going to have another period of uh musical creativity in life i thought it was all in the past when harvey milk was broken up i mean yeah so i guess that's and that's something that, you know a repeating theme that's come up in the show is that you, know, you have that idea of you know well past maybe the point of, of logic uh, you ask yourself like is there anything more to dig through is there anything more to dig up and you know, it's sometimes you don't necessarily want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so far, so good. I mean, I'm sure yeah, it's going like to come you're doing a day. Okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't, you know, it hasn't dried up yet. And I'm sure the day is coming when I'm going to have to level with my patients and say, hey, listen, this is it. This is all I got. But uh, even if I stop right now, I'd be very proud of the body of work I have. It's I have over yes. six and a half hours of all new original music. And so, um, you know, it's, it's all gravy at this point. I'm going to keep on doing it as long as what I'm doing sounds good to my ears. And, uh, so far so good. I haven't, you know, I've gotten been a couple of times, like right before I did the Leonard Cohen record where I thought I just can't do this right now. There's just no way I can write a single other song. Yeah. But then, you know, after a week or two, it passes and I can start again. Yeah, that's that's nothing wrong with that at all. So that's a uh, it's an interesting avenue that you, that you found for yourself. It's not necessarily something I think you could you find that would work for everybody because there's certainly a work ethic behind it, and therein lies the problem is that a lot of people don't really want to do the work. But 
<laughs> well, it's a, uh, it's a lot of, it's just a lot of, it's come to be a lot of fun for me. You know what I mean? Like, I get excited about every time I get an idea for a new song. I just can't wait to get started. And I just, once I get started, I don't want to stop until I'm finished. It's, yeah. it's become a nice, uh, um, you know, thing in my life. Oh, right on. That's and that's. I mean, that's about as good a place as any to kind of call it. There is one thing I always do with folks when I have them on. It's kind of a open-ended yeah. philosophical question. I just ask them, you know, why do you do what you do? Um, I play music because it's the only thing I'm any good at, um, and <laughs> you know, it's the one thing I really enjoy and love doing, and uh, everything else. Um, uh, I don't know. I, uh, just do it to stay alive and love, you know, uh, I love my family and just want to be productive and busy. And, uh, so I just, just, that's why I do it. I'm just doing the doings I do. Well, right on brother. I really appreciate you uh, talking with me tonight and, uh, I'm glad that you're out there doing it. It's uh, I feel like this has been well, very informative and very engaging. So, Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on and helping me spread the word about the Patreon page. Uh, don't, don't be surprised if uh, you get a, get a new patron or two. Well, I would, out, be, so. I would be wonderfully surprised and uh, have you to thank for it. So thanks a lot, Conan. All right, brother. Take care, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be eagerly awaiting the next dispatch. All right, man. All right, take care. You too. Oh, there he goes. Let's um, let's hear a tune. This is gonna be um, we're gonna do something off small turns since we talked about that one. This is uh, I did not call out.
in the seaweed There are children in the morning They are leaning out for love They will lean that way forever While Suzanne holds the mirror To travel with her, and you want to travel blind, and you think maybe you'll trust her, cause she's touched your perfect body with her mind. Right. So that was uh that was my guest there, Kristen Kristen Spires with uh Suzanne. That's off of his record of Leonard Cohen covers. If you are remotely familiar with Leonard Cohen, you probably recognize that. If not, go buy a Leonard Cohen record. Jeez, dude. Uh before that we had Harvey Milk. I did not call out. It is the last song in a small turn of human kindness. Uh yeah, crazy juxtaposition there. It gets pretty, pretty bleak and triumphant at the same time, which is a it's an interesting needle to thread. I guess that's where I'm going with it. I would feel remiss if I did not play a song off the pleaser. So let's go ahead and listen into my favorite song off of that. Rock and roll party.
right. There you go. That was uh, the song, Some Alternative Human Kindness. Is this thing on? That's on the record. My love is higher than your assessment of what my love could be. The beginning was the end. The end was the beginning. All right. Well, thanks again, folks. It's been another uh, episode of Platonic Reversal. It's been great to have you. Uh, please go to Creston, Creston Spire's Patreon account. If you just look up Creston, it's C-R-E-S-T-O-N, then S-P-I-E-R-S. If you Google it, it comes up. You can hear those Leonard Cohen songs. You can hear uh, the orchestral stuff. There's all kinds of good stuff there. So as we've established, the name of the song is Protonic Reversal. The show airs Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. Archives up at Radio Neutron, RadioNeutron.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Live listeners, you got music on with music off coming up next. Please uh, rate the show in iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, share it around. Cost nothing. It's appreciated. Can you hear me now? Out on Route One. And as always, dark and lonely. Catch you later. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10.
like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. If there's no one there to receive It's the end of radio As we come to the close of our broadcast day Thank mm-hmm. you.